Today is a great day for car wash. Yeah, sure. Car wash. <laughs> <laughs> this is the car wash on the SL podcast. She's a song and a car. Good day and welcome to episode number 94 of the car wash. On today's show is Hans Job on the line. Pits so fine and Chiefs take the bragging rights. Whether you're tuning in on SL Podcasts at Zero Today, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Mackie 96.7 Game Time. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Roberts. And of course, Mr. Tekoma Dise. How are you, Tex? I'm easy, Sean. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, my friend. Nice to hear um, that there's no garden service going on in the background today. Trust me, it's going to happen soon, so... <laughs> With no faith. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So uh, our, our Thursday gardeners have come. Um, let's start off with the joke of the day, Tickle, what you've been waiting for for the last seven days. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Give it to me. What do you call a made-up colour? A pigment of your imagination. <laughs> Who's helping you with these jokes? I'm very, very, very clever. Uh, no one needs to help me, my friend. Okay, no sure. One needs we, to help me. Then I think that's where the problem is. <laughs> I need help. Ah, <laughs> <need> <laughs> uh, yo. <laughs> but from there, we move into pole position. Pole position. Pole position is a segment where we ask our fans and our supporters club a certain question and get voice note replies. This week, we asked how the Chiefs managed to overcome their neighbours in the Sulta Derby. But how do you rate Chiefs' performance and why? And this is what you have to say. Yes, the performance to even a command is so far so good. What I like about my team, I'm a mistake with Pirates Baba Wayenza because the Chiefs give a punish on I'd like to say they must keep it up where they are to continue to, to, to bring back the spirit of Amakos, the spirit of love and peace, the spirit of nature. So, guys, the Chiefs, the only thing I'm happy about is three points. As for the performance, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I go on. Even if they can open the stadium now, I won't waste my time and money going there. I'm not happy. I'm happy with three points, but not with the performance. I go on. Yeah, no, Chiefs yesterday played very well and the performance was very, very good. So uh, looking at the games that we've been playing, Sediko Morao and comparing to game Yamaha and Brazil, let's wait today. What should power the Rao or we are going somewhere? I will give Kaiser Chiefs six out of ten. Reason being, Saturday game, it was more tactical and based on counter-attack. Pirates was above Chiefs. Chiefs was just relying on the mistakes that Pirates was committing. Uh, I think win is a bonus, even though we didn't play that well, but uh, I'm very pleased with the win. We need to improve on our game, to control the tempo of the game. Uh, also, I think Agbey need to handle the ball properly. Uh, the combination of Parker and Vinilla is also coming very well. Overall, 
Sean, did you watch the game? I watched about half an hour. Okay. So, um, I I did the game, and um, I think it was it was one of those games. To be honest with you, to be honest, mm. if we mm. put the results aside, if we put the results aside, it was not an exciting game at all. Um, and, and obviously, no fans. Blah blah blah. It's, it's We've been down this road. Yeah, there was there was no. Um, how can I put it? Like there was no spark on the game. You mm. you you'd hope and, and expect something would happen. There was too many turnovers. You know, n- none of the teams were really really in control of the game. You know, and uh, a few opportunities were created in the first half. Whereas Pirates actually could have scored. Um, Chiefs, I think, had one or two opportunities. But second half became different when, honestly, Pirates makes two, two, two blunders, then they got punished for that. Mm. You know, the, the the mistake by Chilean Klatcha trying to play the ball uh, <laughs> to the to to um, at the back, and then the ball got intercepted and then he could score. And then. Um, and then another mistake by uh, uh, conceiving a penalty when you, you allow the ball to bounce and that becomes difficult. But it was one of those two actually mistakes that happened. And also, uh, 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 I feel like if, if it wasn't for those mistakes, it, of course the results would have been different. And I think the uh, people would have looked at more of the performance of both teams than the results itself. I think the results are not a true reflection of the game. But yet again, it's it's a victory that KZC needed to build that momentum because in some patches as well, KZC look especially dangerous when they come out in transition because they allowed Paris to have the ball and defend a little bit deeper. But whenever they go out, Chiefs look very, very dangerous. And I think if, if it's something that if KZC can get it right this season, they, they will be dangerous because at least now they they have also a different way to punish teams because I think that's one of those elements that if they can get it right, I think it will work very well. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 obviously baby steps, right? I mean, it's, it's also nice to to say, cool, uh, great result for Chiefs. Again, it was well needed. I think Pirates also possibly needed it more as well. But um, are you seeing a slow progression in terms of kind of Chiefs' performance? Are you, are you if you as, as as neutrals, are you seeing an improvement as as week week goes on, weeks by weeks go on? Look, to be honest with you, bro, we 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 seeing a lot of this is this is us talking on KD Chiefs. There's a lot of positives that we see, mm. a lot of structure, a lot of identity that you see that KD yes. Chiefs want to impose on their game. So it's easy to identify who does what, who 
and the way and and what happens when they have the ball what happens when Dolly has the ball so it's easy to see that there's a lot of work that we put in uh, on the KJ Chiefs uh, side as well but also on the Alana Pirates side as well is because the lack of consistency of the players so that it a lot of players end up making too many changes so you don't, you really don't see the flow because it gets disrupted all the time but there's other players when they play a lot of players become better like Lamini um, came on as a sub whom he scored a, a, a game before the winner he came on as a sub and then he, he changed the game he, he put some energy into the game where where you'd want to see that happening all the time you also on the Pirates side you want to see uh, your, your mango back at, 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 and doing the business for them. You want to see your bullies. You want to see Hoto again on form. So, so with, with a lot of players, they might come and say, but the guy who didn't have the full, full squad out, players are still injured and all that type of stuff. And Kizzy Chiefs also, they're building that momentum. And I think both teams needed those three points. It was in a game that uh, a draw is going to benefit anyone. Yeah, we, we both called a draw. It was certainly looking like a draw. And, uh, uh... And, and you called it a very boring 1-1 draw and then obviously what happened, what happened. Um, yeah. But uh, this might be an obvious question, but um, or, or you might have an obvious answer, but do you think the chopping and changing uh, within the Pirates team has an, a massive effect in terms of them losing their identity, which we have spoken about before? Do you not think potentially that, right, you've got a squad of 30 or however big Pirates the team is that um, and you should be professional enough and know exactly what your job is to keep that identity of Pirates. What, what, what do you think? And I know we've spoken about obviously the different coaches, etc., etc. Mm. Do you think all this chopping and changing just doesn't help that matter at all? It, it, it doesn't. And um, and and at times you uh, you're forced to do those changes because of lack of confidence, loss of form, injury, suspension as a coach. Mm. And and and. And now you you look like a coach that is always rebuilding or trying new things, but your situation is forced by the players because the players are the ones who make the system to work. And 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 at times I feel like there's 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 lot of 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 players at a lot of players that are doing similar things that are doing the same things. Like it's there's no, for instance, you've got Tohoto. You've got Hotto is a very, very good winger. We all know Hotto as a winger mm-hmm. and he'll bring in those crosses, right? So now how do how do you how do you make sure that Hotto is aligned with Mabasa if you decide to play Mabasa as a striker to benefit from those crosses? Sure. You know? And then how do you balance that on the right hand side? And then you come into the midfield. How do you how do you find the proper balance with Monare, uh, Makaringe? And uh, I think who's the third one? Because they normally play three in the midfield. How do you find that balance where maybe you play a one defensive midfield and two attacking? Depending on the game that you play. So I think with all the personnel that is in there, Pirates, every coach will come there and feel like he can try so many things because you've got so many players and different uh, personnel and different styles of play. But it's difficult to find that rhythm. And I think finding that rhythm is going to take time for for coaching me guys but at times you need to stick to the same team for three to four games to find your rhythm to find your team 
again, you, you would think that being a full-time professional, that whoever comes in, whoever slots in at certain situations or positions knows his job exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So whoever's playing as a nine um, would understand Otto, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And who, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but yeah. that doesn't seem to be happening. So you've mm. got a question of, in terms of what is, what's happening within the change room. Are they sitting with the players, going through the breakdowns, et cetera, et cetera? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean, and 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 you'll be so surprised that 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 um, you know, you one you will feel like we, we we players are always waiting for that opportunity to be given to them, and once they actually do get that opportunity, instead of playing within the structure, you wanna improve, improvise, and, and do what you wanna do because you wanna uh, you wanna make your mark, you wanna be known, you wanna be seen, which is fun, I understand. But as long as you play within the structure of the club, within the structure, within the system of the club, and and I think that's where most teams need to be. You need to have what we call, what we normally say, it's an identity. Have your structure so that because 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 the thing is, Sean, you you can't be especially when you're a big club. You're a big club. You need to have a structure, a philosophy, and then a coach needs to whoever coach that comes through needs to fit in with those criteria that you you, you have as a team. Not the other way around. You can't be always adjusting to what the coach is every time when you hire a new coach. So I think there are teams, especially big teams, that actually do need to re- go back and identify those those those, those philosophies and stick mm. to them. That everybody needs to adjust to them. Not the other way around. You know, it's, it's, very, it's, it's, it's not easy being a coach, it's not easy being a coach of a massive team like Pirates or Chiefs, so um, they certainly have their work cut out. Let's just quickly jump through Amazuli versus Cape Town City. Um, I think I called the draw, I'm not too sure. I can't remember what you called it, Tex. Did you say Amazuli win? I think I said Amazuli win. Did I say Amazuli win? I don't remember. Anyway, good shot. Um, obviously, a massive game for for Eric and a massive game for Benny and obviously yeah. coming up trench. <laughs> well, what do you think of the game? A fair result? Uh, I think I remember saying, look, there is a crash game between Cajun City and Amazon. Whether it's out there in the open or not, right? Nobody wants to lose to each other. And I, and I strongly feel like with, with where, where Amazulu was, I think they, they needed the results more. And also you look at you look at you look at we always speak about the curse of the MTN8. It's never easy to lose that trophy and two days, three days later you have a game and a game and be consistent. Yeah, sure. It's very, very difficult. So I knew that from from an emotional point of view that Amazon have an edge because Captain City won the game after they lost an MTN8. But also you must understand MTN8 final took them to extra time. Right? So now the next game that they played it because they were emotionally attached to it because they wanted to win to make themselves feel better. So now fatigue kicks in because now you have the second game. So I think from the emotional point of view, so that's why I chose Amazulu. Not because Captain City are not a good team, it's just that it, I know how it feels after losing MT8. You struggle to come back and find your form again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can see the boys were, were a bit tired, but, but I do believe they've had a, a good few days off now. So hopefully they're back and, uh, you know, you've obviously got an allegiance with um, Cape Town City in some sort, not saying that you support them, but it's always nice to see them do well. Let's move on to quite an interesting story quickly. Following the Cairo derby last Friday, which Al Ahli won in an incredible fashion with a 5-3 victory over rival Zamalek, Pizza Musimani's side had been slapped with a fine by the Egyptian FA. Fines were handed out to both sides. 
but you know, I mean, that, that's all good. But what I like about this story, Teco, is that you can see any team that Pizza coaches, you can see the hunger, you can see the pride, you can see, um, do you know what I mean? Uh, this, yeah. Even though it was a big game, you can see what Pizzo has installed in Achli already in terms of the win mentality. And he's fine for getting a fine. He, he, he doesn't care uh, no. as long as they get the results. No, fine. If, if, if the season goes by without Pizzo being fine, it's not a good season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always good to see Pizzo do well. Um, and we, we're big fans of him, so and, and always good to see our Achli do well. So, yeah. Uh, massive results for them in a massive game. Yeah. Uh, Let's just move on to something quickly, uh, a sneak peek. Uh, myself and Thomas Quenati spoke about the financial crisis players face after their careers. Uh, take a week, spoken about this at length on various podcasts. Um, and it was nice to get a, a third party's opinion as well. And it went quite well. But have a listen, guys, this little sneak peek that me and Thomas spoke about yesterday. I'm forced to ask the question, Sean, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on the spotlight here as a former professional player, mm. you know. Does it have to do with education sometimes, or is it peer pressure or competition among you as players? The answer to your question, Thomas, is it's all the above. It's, it's the peer pressure, it's the lack of education, it's trying to outdo. I mean, when I was at Sundowns, I remember very clearly um, two players that were, well, I wouldn't say two players, but they would try and outdo each other with, with, uh, with certain things and, and cars, especially. And I can tell you now, both those two players are completely bankrupt. Completely. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, we get to hear your feedback on what you think of that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subject that's taken and I are quite passionate about and it needs to be spoken about a bit more. Um, I don't want to get too much into it now, Teko, but um, yeah, we, we, we're quite passionate about it. And I think a lot needs to be done in terms of the PSL getting involved, which I did touch on. And um, we've seen various, uh, we, and we continue to see various horrible stories in what's happening with, with players post-football, but uh, yeah, not cool, but we'll, hopefully there's room for improvement with that. But from there, we move on to the International News Desk. With Kurt Bakerfield. We are joined. My soccer leader's international news correspondent, Mr. Kurt. I travel the world back How are you doing, Kurti? Gents, I'm good, thank you. How are we living? Oh, Easy. Living. We're living. We're living good. How are you living? Are you feeling better? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Sorry, I just had a, a migraine last week. I get those from time to time. Ah. But uh, no, we're all good, boys. We're all good. How are we? How are we all? What's life like? Life is peachy. I don't know what Taker's life is like. How's your life, Taker? Ah, it's ice creamy. <laughs> good. Ah, life is good. Can't complain. Can't complain. Good, good, good. How's, good, how's, good. how's Sunny C Point? Good. It's okay, eh? It's not too bad. Uh, I'm at the office today. I'm sitting in studio, actually. Um, you moved? I you can't move. You, did you move? No, I'm, I mean, no. Oh, I mean, a long you were. Time ago. Oh, you decorating. Hey, that's all you're seeing Instagram. It's yeah, it's that's the thing. You that's the thing, yeah. People who are in love. Hey, exactly. Oh, we do things together. We paint together. Ah, amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> Those who paint together stay together. Yeah, that's what I That's say. what it's all about. Yeah. But Cody, enough about your love life. Um, <laughs> Javi returns. What's happening, bro? Yeah, pal. Um, no, I think it's a, a very exciting appointment. Um, I, I don't know if you guys saw any of his comments at his um, official unveiling on Monday, but you know when he speaks, he speaks with authority. Um, Xavi has a relationship with the club. Um, they are 
striking similarities to the appointment of Pep Guardiola in 2008. Um, let me just point a few out. Both um, graduates of the, the Youth Academy, the famed Barcelona Youth Academy, um, both ex-midfielders, both went on to captain the first team, um, both succeeding Dutchmen. Pep replaced Frank Rijkaard in 2008. Um, Xavi replaces Ronald Koeman, both appointed by Joan Laporte in two different spells as president. Um, and, you know, boys, they do say that history has a, you know, as a th- thing, it, it repeats itself often. So that's what a lot of Barcelona fans will be hoping for. Um, you know, Xavi has spent the last six years of his career preparing for this moment. When he left mm. in 2015, he and anyone who had ever encountered him knew that he would be back. He would be back to coach Barcelona at, at some point in his career. Um, so the final four years of his career, he spent at Al Sadd in Qatar, obviously. Um, but while playing, he was coaching um, at junior level uh, while getting his badges. And then in 2019, he got his UEFA Pro license, um, took over the first team of Al Sadd um, and really impressed everybody he worked with. Um, so it was just a matter of time before he, he returned to Barcelona. It's it's obviously difficult circumstances. Um, the team's underperforming. I think they're currently in 10th um, in, in La Liga. So it, it's a difficult situation, but I think that there there's a lot of very good young players in that side that Xavi, I'm sure, can't wait to work with. You know, the likes of Ansu Fati and Gavi, who's 17 and already playing for Spain. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Ricky Puig will get a look in. Um, I think that there's a lot of players that Xavi will be excited to work with. And I think that um, it's, it's going to work. I think um, players are going to gravitate towards him. He's, you know, He knows that club inside and out. Um, he made 767 appearances for that club. Um, I think he spent 24 years there. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good appointment. Um, I know that the recent trend of appointing ex-players has not really gone down too well, but this feels different. I think that Xavi is um, he's going to be Pep 2.0. Um, I can't wait to see it happen. Yeah, that was, that was my next question, right? I mean, you, you, you go back in the history of appointing, I mean, the idea of appointing ex-heroes or ex-players, um, it's, it's awesome, but theoretically sometimes it doesn't work and most of the time it doesn't work. And we've seen it now at United with Oli, which we're going to touch on in a few seconds, but uh, you think he's got what it takes? Do you think he's got that persona, that, that ego to, to carry that dressing room? I think so. I think if you remember, Xavi throughout his career, he wasn't the kind of guy who wore his heart on his sleeve. He was never emotional. Um, and I think that that's going to work in his favor here because you run the risk of, when appointing a former player, you run the risk of him coming in and having maybe too much of an affiliation to, to the club where certain decisions are made that he might not have made with, with a level head or you know while thinking clearly. I think that Xavi is someone who, while he cares about Barcelona, he's also extremely focused on the, the job. I mean, he knows that this is a job. Um, and I feel like that's the way he conducted himself throughout his career as a player. Um, he was always focused. He never looked like he was thinking about anything else but football. Um, and I feel like that's going to rub off on the players. It has to. Um, I read a report yesterday that he's introduced all these rules to the, to the uh, training ground and to, to the players and staff about players having to arrive, I think, uh, 90 minutes before a training session, staff having to arrive two hours before a training session, um, certain meals not being allowed, um, players, yeah, I think. That's what's up. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. And I think that Barcelona need that. He brought fines yeah. back. Um, so there will be fines for players who obviously act out. 
Um, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that it wasn't in place already. If you think about it. Well, no, of course, of course, and I just think that yeah, he knows. Um, you know, he knows what it's what being um, from Barcelona is all about. What um, yeah. what coming through that academy is all about, and I feel like he will have a preference um, of working with players who who share the same values. Because um, Barcelona is is a structure, it's a system where yeah. players who come into that system at at 25, 26, 27 really, really struggle because it's it's a different wavelength to the players who've come through that academy who have all been playing in the same style and, and with the same philosophy. So, Xavi, I think will will use those academy um, graduates, all those young players who are in that team, just like he was as a player when Pep came in, Xavi and Iniesta. Messi, Pique, Busquets, all these guys um, really, really shone. And I feel like Xavi will place um, importance on that. Um, I've already uh, read that Luke de Jong, the striker who was brought in on deadline day from Sevilla on loan, is going to be shipped out immediately. Um, <laughs> so he, he already has a clear idea of the way his team will play and it's not going to be putting balls into the box. Um, yeah. So yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see it start. Yeah, interesting times ahead. Um, let's move on to... Uh your favorite coach in the world, Ole Gunnar What's What's happening there? And uh, I think the question is if and when Ole gets sacked, who could potentially step in? So the latest that I've seen is that the club aren't going to sack him anytime soon, which yeah. which is obviously a shock, but it also brings into question how serious the board are about winning titles. The Glazers have been accused of just being happy with United being there and thereabouts and not actually worrying yeah. too much about the success of the team and I think yeah. that it's a pity that you know in November most Manchester United fans are waiting for next season because it seems that they will give Solskjaer until until then at least um, so while I, I do understand the frustration and anger from those fans I do think that there is some method to the madness I think that um, maybe it only makes sense to fire Solskjaer to replace him when there's actually someone to replace him with. Right now, it feels yeah. like maybe there isn't anybody available um, that is, is is among their preferred candidates. And yeah. Sean, to answer your, your second question there, I think Brendan Rodgers is one of the favourites. Um, he's obviously, he's doing a good job at Leicester City. I'm, I'm not sure whether um, he will be able to take United to that next level. Um, I haven't really... Yeah, I'm not convinced. Feels like a David Moyes appointment. Yeah, but also interestingly, somebody tweeted it the other day, and it's a good point that if David Moyes had not worked for United when he did, or take over when he took over from Ferguson in 2013, he would have been one of the candidates to to replace Solskjaer um, because of how well West Ham are doing. So I thought that was an interesting point, and uh, it's probably accurate. Then Eric Ten Hag from Ajax is another candidate, um, but both of those guys, Brendan Rodgers and and Ten Hag, I think are unwilling to leave their clubs mid-season, which is understandable. Um, But anyway, yeah, from the outside, it looks like United are sleepwalking to a decision, um, and that is largely based on the club's dealing in the past. Um, Something that I read on The Athletic the other day is that, and this is really reliable, Solskjaer said yes to the United job in 2018, two months before Mourinho was sacked. Um, So I think that that tells you everything you need to know about how slow United are to act. Um, Mm. So it, it should really come as no surprise that the Liverpool result was not enough to get him sacked. Um, and I thought that after that City performance, I'm sure you guys watched the game, 
but it was it was just a training session for City. Um, yeah. I thought that surely the club were going to pull the trigger after that because that was very embarrassing. That was even worse than the the Liverpool game for me. Yeah. Um, but no, they they aren't going to um, replace him just yet. Well, I suppose it also comes down to affordability, right? I mean, to, he's just signed a new deal that takes him to 2024. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a <laughs> there's obviously a massive clause in there in terms of he does get sacked. So um, you would think they'd take that into consideration, right, when, when, when signing a coach. Curti boy, thank you. You go back to your little uh, your hole in the wall and see points and go paint some walls and uh, we thank you for your time. Thanks, boys. Nice to chat. Thanks, man. Righty, from there, Tex, just a quick story um, from obviously ex-club legends that have turned into coaches when we move to something local in terms of Neil Tovey. Uh, he issues an ego warning to the Sundowns coaches. We've obviously spoken about this at length in the past. Um, but he says it's, he thinks it's sustainable as long as the roles are defined and the messages conveyed to players are relevant to each of their abilities as the coaches. And the messages also have to be of synergy. That is very vital. You can't have one coach saying this to the player and the other one is mentioning something different on tactics and what they all want to achieve. So we have spoken about this, Tech, it's nice to see Toby having his, his two cents worth. Obviously, he won the... The league is a head coach there, 2005-2006. Just a quick one, Tex. Do you think what is happening at Sundowns, have they found their synergy? We we went, we had a couple of podcasts about this at the beginning of the season in terms of could it work, is it going to work, too many egos, etc., etc. How do you think it has played out so far? Look, I think, I think as a club and as coaches, where there are difficulties, they will find them because also they, they also themselves, they're dealing with new players that have different personalities as well yeah. so to 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 make a team out of all those different players from different clubs you know different coaching to actually you know uh make sure that they play the sundance way it's gonna take time and uh, when that doesn't work out because you do have three coaches mm-hmm. uh it, it looks like things are not working well things yeah. you guys are against each other there's no because people, that's, here's, here's the thing, Sean. People are used to traditional things. When you do something that is not traditional, it becomes um, it becomes very foreign, and because yes. it's not understood, people tend people to dismiss like it. They, don't like, they don't like to change. So now, you cannot come and tell me about how Sundowns coaches should be operating when they are dominant right now. They won the league last season. They just won the MTN eight. So, so you should come when nothing is happening. They, they, they're not in a good space. They, they're trying to figure things out. Because I think if Sundowns didn't win anything last season, I think I said this before. If Sundowns didn't win any trophy last season, everybody would have said Sundowns failed. Me too, I would have said Sundowns failed. Yes. And it, it wasn't going to be a good look for the three coaches as well. Because the pressure is, this is the first time it's happening in South Africa. Now we have all these three different personalities that are coaching the team. Yes. So now. Coming to the new season, they they won the the, the first trophy, which is which is an MTN eight. They are still unbeaten. They haven't conceded. So you 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 you. I don't think it's 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 the right time to question Mamelodi Sundowns. Yeah. As to why are the coaches working well? The, look at the numbers. The numbers on the boards are telling you. The stats. The stats. The stats are telling you. So your 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 we look. We appreciate. I think. As a club, you 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 because you're that dominant, you're up there. 
there's always going to be questions and, and there's always going to be speculation. There's always going to be something people that want to know because this is a fascinating situation. And it's very, people are curious, they want to know, which is perfect, which is fine. But this is a unique situation where it hasn't been done before. Yes. So when 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 we get into the position where the op is going to be maybe not agreeing on the same thing, it's possible because those are three different people, but they are driving the same car. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think the bottom line is all these coaches, no matter what the personality they have, all the players in the club, no matter what personality they have, no matter what teams they come from, at the end of the day, they are working towards the same goal if they choose to achieve and bring results to the moment Yeah, I, I think so. I think the three coaches, in my opinion, have too much to lose with this not working because, yeah. um, you know, they both, or sorry, they both, all three of them have a chance to, to get trophies under their belt, which is going to add to their CVs. Um, let's not forget the, the African Champions League, you know, that they are sort of top two, top three favourites to win it. And that is obviously their goal. Um, and that would go under their CV as, as winners. So there's too much for them to lose if this doesn't work out. So I, I presume that the communication is key. I presume that they are communicating and obviously me looking after a few players and the feedback I have got from certain players is that it is working. So that's cool. Yeah. Look, Sean, it's, 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 if it wasn't working, I, I promise you, if, if it wasn't working, they will be the, they will be the first ones to pass. Yeah. Because, like you said, the pressure that they 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 in yet they also understand the magnitude of how can I put it? Um, because now they're following a guy that has won so much. Mm -hmm. You know, um, um, Peter has set the standard so high, and and coming after him it becomes very difficult. Now you need yeah. to play and start your own path, and sometimes I'm trying to do that with our coaches as well. So them not go, uh, getting along, them not winning trophies. It's, it's a failure to them, not to the club. And and you want to be, you as a coach, you, you want to coach, good coaches want to coach good players. Sure. Finishing club. So you as a good coach, you want to be around your big three teams that have good players that you want to coach so that you can improve them to get a better, better result. So yeah. it's important for, for those three coaches to win games. It's important to bring trophies because they know what's at stake. It's Just a quick question and a quick answer. Sundowns without a Shalalile, would we be speaking the same conversation? I think we, should, we would, because before Shalulili there was somebody else, but it was never a top striker. Yeah. If you remember, sometimes we never, for the last 10, I don't remember having like a top, top striker that is always getting goals for us. Yeah, sure. And I think that's the trend that Manuel Sundowns has done now. We're not going to rely on a top goal scorer to actually win his games. But fortunate enough, when Sundowns was in transition, to start playing differently and have this surprising element. Shalilile was part of the package that came into the team to, 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 to diversify the play. And now that he's, he's, he's scoring so much, the shift becomes Shalilile, which is yeah. perfect. We, we, we never had, a, uh, it's been a while since we've ever had a striker like that. But yet again, also you must also understand, we sometimes haven't found their, their true form. They haven't found their flow. Because once they do, you will have Tembas running to 10 goals. You'll have you'll have Sorino with your eight to nine goals. You have uh, 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 Lake with four, Tapelo Morena with four. So there's there's goals around. You have Villa guys with six or seven. Yeah, so there's yeah. goals around. And and I think because uh, 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 Sundowns has always been that you forever get those numbers. You'll never get a striker that is the only person that scores in the team. 
and I think it's it's a plus now because the Sundance has such a play. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, what, a, what an impact he has had for sure. Okay. Um, let's move on swiftly, just quickly, um, and let's chat about Gavin Hunt in terms of his job potentially being at risk. Um, the Chip United head coach has become increasingly under pressure due to results that have not been forthcoming for the Eastern Cape outfit. Uh, especially after their normal uh, draw against Maritzburg on the weekend. Chipper have lost five and drawn four from their last nine matches and have mm. only scored three goals and conceded 11. Thanks. Mm. 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 That's, uh, yeah. Those are, not, those are not good numbers. Bro. That's not good numbers. Um, and obviously, you know, no disrespect to any uh, players out there, he obviously doesn't have freedom and the luxury of, of buying um, who we once and, and sort of building a, a new team. I think that's the risk with someone like Chipper is that you don't have the budget that some other teams have. But you would think a coach of Gavin Hunt's calibre, he could, he could turn things or could have or could turn things around. Um, what's obviously not going right there, Teko, do you think it's just a lack of quality? Uh lack of quality in this, in a way that he wants to play. Yeah. I think that's the issue. You have cheaper that is being emphasizing on carpet football for so many years. So now you've you've developed a, a philosophy in the club that you only sign players that are able to play the ball on the ground. Now you bring a coach that wants to bring different elements. And then you have your 32, 28, 29 year olds to unlearn what they've learned for so many years to become new players and change. Not every player can do that. So I think it becomes one of those challenges. And we in the pandemic like this, it's very difficult for teams to open up the budget and buy new players. So for me, it's going to be a, a, a it's going to be a struggle for Gabina to turn things around. But but it's possible. We've seen the gaps, especially mm. down there. You know, the, the the margin is very narrow. You win two games, you're back in the fold. So I think it's 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 the players finding themselves, finding ways and how to win within the system that Gavin Hans won, and also implementing their talent. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. If anyone can do it, Gavin Hans certainly can, and he certainly got a, a very good technical team around him. So. Uh, interesting space to watch that. Quickly, Tex, let's just turn on to uh, place your bets. Uh, 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifiers are up and coming. Bafana Bafana against Zimbabwe. Um, not an easy game. I still don't really understand what happens if we win this and where we progress to. And it's, it's all a bit confusing for me, but um, we have to go at Bafana on this one in terms of uh, previous results as well. We, we, we're on form, new coach, fresh ideas. Someone who believes in the youth, um, someone who's come in and sort of changed things up and uh, you can say what you want about him, but again, we go back to the results, the results don't lie. Uh, how do you see this one fairing? Uh, it's, look, it's going to be it's gonna be tough uh, playing against them, mainly because you, you do have players in Zimbabwe that are very familiar with South African style yes. of play, South African personalities. So it's going to be a very difficult, but it's an important victory for us. So we need to win the game so that we play with a little bit of ease in, in on Sunday in Ghana, against Ghana, because things are going to be tough there. So you don't want to have a bad game here and expect to win over there. So I think today's game is, they're playing tonight, right? Tonight's game, I think it's, it's important. I think it's tonight, yeah. Yeah, it's important. The victory is important. So, so Take a what happens now? Uh, Bafana win tonight. We, we go to Ghana. What happens? I think I think when we we if we go to Ghana, we get a point. I think that solidify our first place in the group. I think we become Amazing. number one in the group. And then from number one in the group, now we need to play all the number ones in other groups. 
So it's still still a long way to go, but we it's it's I think these are the times where we need to, you know, uh, make sure that we use our home ground advantage very well. Yeah, it's certainly the step in the right direction. I can't remember the last time I've said those words and Bafana in the same sentence. So it's all it's all looking positive. Um, let's move on to this week in football history. Today we remember great moments from the past. We dive into the time capsule. Join us as we remember great moments from this week in football history. On the 14th of November 2009, an 81st minute goal from Obafemi Martin sent Nigeria to the 2010 World Cup. On the 16th of November 1974, former Man United midfielder Paul Scholes was born in Salford. He went on to make over 700 appearances for Man United. Toko, would you say that Scholes was probably one of the best midfielders ever in the Premier League? Oh, Scholes. I think, uh, no, he was he was good. I don't want to lie. But I think, uh, what's this guy that played for Chelsea? Lampard. I think Lampard was, was, was better. Or even Steven Gerrard. Stevie G. I think Stevie G. I think Stevie G and Lampard had elements that were better than Skulls. Skulls will give you those long balls, you shoot outside mm. the box, you'll bite. But there was something with Stevie G and, and, and Lampard that had, and even Stevie G, I strongly believe that he was better than Lampard. Because Stevie mm. G would do stuff that Lampard could Lampard will get into the box very late and score those goals. Stevie G will come back and fucking tackle and defend and go back then and create a goal. Yeah. So I think Stevie G was an all-round better midfielder for me. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Righty, thanks for that, Teko. Um, Let's move on swiftly to this week's Car of the Week. Um, and I looked into the brand new AMG GLS 63 formatic. This is an absolute beast of a Mercedes Benz. Um, at the apex of luxury and performance, you will find the Mercedes AMG GLS 63, an ultra luxurious SUV with a colossal powertrain that rules the streets. The Mercedes AMG can very fairly be called a monster of sorts. It's big, imposing, and scary, and often elicits a scream from unsuspecting passengers. Powered by the monstrous AMG 41 bi-turbo V8 petrol engine, the GLS 63 cranks out 450 kilowatts and powers all four wheels through the super slick nine-speed AMG speed shift transmission. The sprint to 100 kilometers is done 100 kilometers an hour is done eye-watering 4.5 seconds and the bulk of the GLS will go into the electronically limited 280 kilometers top speed. If you happen to have a few million rand lying around and want a vehicle that decimates all in its total comfort, then the GL63 is the only way to go. Coming in only, take at three and a half million rand. And I do give it a nine and a half out of 10. It is absolutely Beautiful. I don't. I don't know if you've seen it, Tech. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no. I'm. I'm. I think from a Mercedes um, in the AMG range is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is. It's But we need to get motivated to get there, brother Bear. And here I have today's motivational quotes. You are the mental architect of your own destiny. Which I love. Yeah, yeah. Basically. A, it's my guy Bob Proctor. Oh. He he he's basically saying what you think about and what you think about you bring about, right? So things exactly. become things, whether it's positive or negative, you attract them to your life what you think about. And um, I think that's why meditation is so expert. Uh, uh, what's the word? It, it's imperative in our crazy lifestyle that we have these days. But uh, 
Yeah, nice one. You are a mental architect of your own destiny. And that is how we wrap up episode number 94 of The Car Wash, guys. Whether you've been listening on SL Podcasts or Seven Today in Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or the most became 96.7 Game Time, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, obviously, Sean Roberts, and my good friend, Mr. Tickle, he said, thank you, my brother. Ah, thank you, Seanisto Walignon. Appreciate it, and we will see you same time, same place next week. Ciao. Peace. Peace. Today is a great day for a car wash. Yeah, sure. Car wash. <laughs> this is the car wash on the SL podcast. She's a slang and a car.